Hello and welcome to the Change in Education podcast. As the UK's largest education business partnership, the Change in Education group delivers the best in-class work experience and careers management services. Why not find out more? Check out our website, changingeducation.co.uk and send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. In this week's podcast, we look at what work experience is and is it valued in the curriculum? Hello and a very warm welcome to the Change in Education podcast. My name is Amos Madri, your host. I'm joined by company directors and co-founders, Matthew Hodgkinson and Stephen Hackney. And this week we're talking about work experience. Is it valued in the curriculum? A very interesting question. Steve, what do you reckon? What's your views on that? Um, so I think we've already done a podcast similar to this in season one where we explored the validity of work-based learning programme as they complement the uh, core curriculum. I think after that session, we came to the conclusion that it obviously is important. And, uh, it does strengthen a student's transition into further education and employment. I think we, we all agreed on that synopsis and that uh, final outcome. However, however, I uh, I think we did start to delve uh, into the complexities of how those programs look, how they feel, are they valued, are they meaningful? These schools uh, set them up in a way that suits the school's curriculum, or does it, suit the or does it even consider the employer's needs? So I think we've put this one on today, Amos, because I think there's so much to talk about last time, we just didn't cover it. And so uh, I think start starting and ending, my personal and professional opinion is yes, work experience is important. It's super important to strengthen the student transition. However, uh, I think we could explore today the complexities of actually setting up and executing what is actually meaningful work experience. Absolutely. Uh, and you've touched on a really good point there, which I'm going to come back to you on. Um, apologies to anyone listening in terms of the sound. We've been having a nightmare <laughs> this morning. Uh, uh, the software we use for recording, uh, it's not at its very best. I don't think it's woken up yet, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, so, Steve, you spoke about the complexities. That's really interesting. Talk to us a bit more about that. You know, why is it that some schools are really engaged when it comes to uh, work experience and again you've got others that you know that's just to tick box exercise i suppose yeah it, it, it's difficult to be uh, over critical of any school it is a uh, we call it a side event it shouldn't be it should be interwoven in the curriculum as part of that uh, wider careers model uh, it's, it's one technique that a school can use to strengthen students knowledge when it comes to career progression and employability skills but you know how that's executed is you know how you have a, a traditional uh take on it which is traditionally you could have a weekly experience at the end of the academic year and that can easily be converted into i think we spoke about a tip box exercise and uh it's difficult for the schools obviously we don't want them to fall into that but you know there has to be time and effort uh, put into a work experience program and even though you're only going out for 
for some of the programmes traditionally just a week work experience, a student should be preparing for the work experience throughout that year. And there should actually be a period after the placement, post-placement, where the student can reflect and can uh, understand what they've learned and reflect on what they've learned. Now, traditionally, I don't think the definitely the post-placement provision definitely doesn't happen as much as we'd want. And actually preparing to students for the world of work again, I'd suggest the time and effort we need to put into that. Thanks, Steve. Matthew, good morning to you. Morning, morning, morning. How are you? You okay? I'm good. Thank you very much. Uh, so, you know, again, Steve was talking there about the complexities and, you know, skills uh, taking, you know, different uh, variables into account and obviously trying to make their students employability work ready. Uh, what, what's your views on this? Do you think schools are doing the best they can? Are they engaged in the way that they need to? to support their students into the world of work? I think, I think schools are doing the best they can with the resources and time that they have at their disposal. I mean, I was going to, I was going to turn this one on its head and say, you know, is, is work experience a chore? Is it a chore for the school? Is it a chore for the head teacher? Does the head teacher think that work experience is or should be in the curriculum and embedded? Because if it is, it cannot be run as a halfway house. You can't have one foot in the work experience camp and one foot in, in the academic curriculum. You've got to be in it, all or nothing. And this is the problem I see personally with some schools. And again, it's not their fault. You know, any careers advisor listening to this, it isn't your fault. I, I recognise personally the restraint that you have on A, finance, B, re resource, and C, time. What happens in that scenario, Amos, is that the experience for the employer isn't the best because they get a student that often, not all, again, not in all cases, but often it is ill-prepared for the work placement. And all that happens when you have an ill-prepared student is that the employer is switched off. The employer is turned off the notion of supporting any future placement. What happens then is that when you do put two feet firmly back in the work experience camp, is that the management and the uh, and, and bringing employees to the table becomes increasingly difficult because you've got employers turned off. How do I know this? It's because we speak to employers, and employers will tell us, I, I don't want to offer a work placement because the last placement I had the student did X, Y, and Z, or I didn't feel that I was supported by either the school, the college, or the third party. Uh, I didn't receive any feedback on the placement. And these are things that Steve and I have spoken about before. But this is all to do with how embedded is work experience in your particular curriculum? Are you all in, or, or are you only half in? If you're half in, the program will never work. The main catalyst for work experience is how bought in your employers are in your local area. They need to feel valued. They need to feel that young people are actually, A, they're looking forward to being with them on placement. Uh, B, they're actually, they are the right fit for that business. And C, they've done some pre-placement preparation. And employers can see through this. 
employers, I mean, me and you, Amos, we spoke about the episode from the in-betweeners. And that episode from the in-betweeners really, if I could, if I could just show that in this podcast, that really would articulate better uh, than, than me talking about it. It was a young person who went through a placement. They, shouldn't, they should not have been going to that particular placement. I think it was Will who ends up going to a garage. And uh, the, the, the tall chap in the in-betweeners, he ends up going to the newspaper. Well, it actually should have been the other way around. Well, that shows me that it wasn't valued by SLT at the school because those students should have been better prepared. They should have known exactly what they were getting into, what the, uh, the, the, what the employer wanted from them, a full job description, uh, and delivered, delivered through a, a really meaningful uh, program model, a delivery model. Uh, so for me, it's a question of, is, is work experience valued by the school? It's more, is it a chore? Are you all in or only, are you only half in? Uh, maybe we should watch that episode, the episode in between and, and send that out on a video to all our uh, all schools across the UK, Amos. Absolutely. He doesn't love the in-betweeners, and of course, Will is a bit of a character. Steve, you know, Matthew makes a really good point. Is it a chore? Is is it is it a chore that, you know, uh, skills just dread and just have to get through? And it might sound draconian, but should there be punishment for that sort of approach? What's your thoughts? Um, I, it's difficult because plans and tests and delivered effectively, it shouldn't be a chore. Uh, what we probably find is, is that it seems like a chore because everything gets condensed into a short window or a short period of time. So uh, students having to find placements or the provider having to find placements for students or risk assessments, risk management and um you know, communications with the employer uh, because of the um, because of the strict um, timeframes already in the core curriculum. Um, it's very difficult then to plan effectively that pre-placement phase. So uh, the pre-placement phase probably should take uh, the majority of the academic year so that students can have that time to uh, explore the skill sets that they need to improve uh, prior to uh, undertaking work based learning. Uh, they could also then have a, a realistic time frame to try and find their own placement. We obviously advocate self placement. Uh, self placement is a real world exercise. It also motivates them to find a work placement they're actually interested in uh, or exploring while they're on work placement. I think that, um, you know, if we don't offer the student the time and the support to do that, then yes, then. You end up with, you know, you could end up with disillusioned parties such as the student, the employer, and that obviously then focuses back to the school that then would question, was there any point doing this experience? So it's like most things, you know, if you, if you set this, if you plan effectively and set the program up on a uh, credible and pragmatic delivery timeframe and offer time and support to the student and the employer then obviously you're going to have a more positive outcome so um i i totally understand why they could see it as a tool but i 
I don't think it is at all. I, don't, I think if if time is put to it and the delivery model is followed, it's stopped out by um, uh, the government or by the local authority or by Gatsby. There's lots of information there to make sure the students have a positive experience. But obviously, we need to make sure that the employer is 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 brought along on that journey and they're not asked for because then when the complaints start coming in, that's when you start feeling what was the point of your uh, provision, if that makes sense. Matthew, Steve brings a very balanced perspective there. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's going to have to be uh, some work involved from all parties. Uh, so it's not just schools, of course, students have to play their part as well. On top of that as well, you know, you think about employers in the local area, could they perhaps do more? Is there too much pressure on schools? Are they limited with the resources that they have? Whereas employers, you know, can be a bit more flexible, perhaps. What's your thoughts? Well, I mean, the if it's not mandatory, Amos, then the employers are really, you know, they, they don't have to do this. And uh, if it's not mandatory in the curriculum as well, then I firmly believe that it still remains a chore. I guess it's like pushing a cart horse up a hill when you don't have to. You know, we're pushing, we're pushing this, this, this heavy load of work experience up, up this hill, but we actually, we're not going to get rewarded for it because we're not, we're not, we're not having to, uh, we're not having to provide enough information to the Department for Education or Ofsted on the success of our work experience program, because there are other ways that we can fix the Gatsby agenda. If it is just the, the Gatsby agenda we're talking about in terms of the reason why schools do work experience then we know that there are other ways that careers leaders in schools can meet those targets. If we suddenly had a change in the curriculum or a, a mind switch, which was our future leaders of tomorrow haven't got the skills required, and that can only be given by industry, then straight away we'd have young people, wouldn't we, Amos, going into work a lot earlier would go back to old uh, uh, day release uh, youth training programs, traineeships for a much earlier age. This would go back to an old comprehensive model. But ultimately, we're not there. Work experience is not mandatory. Gatsby benchmarks are very new as well. And there's a lot of leniency given on how they are actually achieved. So whilst it's still up in the air, you're never going to be all in. Somebody really needs to grab this. And maybe, maybe it should be me, Amos, but somebody needs to grab this by the scruff of the neck and say, work experience is absolutely mandatory. We need to ensure that young people know exactly what they're getting themselves into when they leave school, onto a training program at 16, or they leave education completely at 18. They're going to go into the world of work. And that gap as much as everybody talks about bridging the gap, the gap is still colossal. It's absolutely massive. I'm sat here now in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a business centre in Manchester with, with a lot of business leaders all around me now sat on their laptops. And if I go and speak to these people, they will tell me generally the same thing, that young people are ill-prepared, they they're not being taught the, the, the skills of tomorrow and they haven't got any experience. So Steve and I are 
well, I've, I've, you know, our business ethos is championing work experience in terms of getting young people into jobs, getting them into jobs as early as possible, because that will only benefit the national curriculum and it will only then benefit the employers. And for me, that is the only way that we narrow the gap and no longer uh, become a half in we are completely committed. And if we think that one week of work experience represents, well, what does it represent? It represents 2% in terms of the four, you know, if it's 39 weeks, 40 weeks in a year, for one week, we're talking two and a bit percent, aren't we, in terms of curriculum time afforded to work experience. Uh, not a lot when we look at it like that. And the feedback students, when we when when work experience is a success, the feedback that we get from students is is, is incredible. You know, in some in all cases they must, but in some cases life changing. It's life changing the impact that work experience can have on a young person. It gives them hope, gives them direction, and it might even give them a part time job. Life changing, Steve. Direction, hope, and a purpose. How can organisations like the Changing Education Group influence the curriculum so that work experience is introduced at a much earlier stage and as part of the curriculum? What can be done, Steve? Um. Well, we um we. we... These podcasts don't. Uh, there's no monetary value for a educational leader to listen to these. We uh, we've always wanted these podcasts. We wanted to choose a topic. We wanted to explore it. And at the end of the twenty or thirty minutes or forty minutes, we've been talking. There's some recommendations for future practice. So, you know, if if, if you think about what advice I'm going to give away based on our experience over the last 12 years, is then I'm going to be saying uh, probably a top 10. So, you know, the top what top 10 things does an educator need to do? Well, if they haven't got the time in the curriculum to do it in the time to shoe on it in, don't bother doing it, because the outcome will be a negative experience for the student. Uh, it'll be a stressful time for them, and uh, they may offend by alienating their local business community. They may want to get involved in other aspects of the careers program. So that's the, the, the first step. Second one is is that you know you have to be realistic about a financial commitment to it because ultimately, if we are going to uh, if, if we're if we're being commissioned or they commission a uh, similar company to us in the in the country, they, if they want a quality service, and unfortunately, you know you have to there has to be someone that's been, uh, financial support going towards that. So, like with most things, Amos, you know, I've got a pair of. I, I've the last two years, I thought and thought about uh, from buying the Samsung Airbud two. I've bought cheap off Amazon, ten pounds, twenty pounds headphones, and uh, they they all break and they all don't do a job properly. The battery doesn't last very long, and now I've got these Airbuds, so I've paid a little bit more. I paid a little bit more. The noise cancelling, the noise cancelling works brilliantly. And um, you know, and, and so they work quality. So you know, if if, if if you are if you haven't got the resources financially to commit to a to a decent program, um, then you obviously are going to you know struggle because unfortunately there is certain things in the program that are going to need 
time and financial commitment to uh, make sure the program is a decent quality. You know, it's, 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 I bought five times. I, I, I bought, you know, I bought cheap and, and, and I bought twice. You know, that's the, you know, that's, that's the lesson that I've learned from that is, is I should have just bought the Airbuds too. A little bit more expensive, but they are quality. So, uh, yeah, so financial commitment needs to be there, but ultimately you need to fragment, you need to be serious, you need to fragment your academic year off and put strategic points in the academic year when certain things need to be done as part of a meaningful program. So your pre-placement phase needs to have key dates. You need to make sure that when you do the launch, it's not just a 10 minute assembly to get the students geared up for work placement and never talk about it again for six months. And so you start panicking because students haven't self-placed and you give them a deadline. You know, there has to be realistic deadlines. There has to be realistic timeframes between communications getting to students so that they and the parent and the employers are effectively communicated with so they understand what they have to do at what time. Uh, they need to make sure that they understand what is, you know, you, you, can't, lecture, uh, you can't lecture somebody if you don't understand yourself. So do your research. What does, health and, what does the health and safety executive say about risk management? What does the gaps to the agenda say about what you should be doing with a student before you start a work-based learning program? What should the student be getting up on before they go on work experience when it comes to their employability skills? Have you made it curriculum specific? What does that mean? Well, if a student has got a as an older student and they've got aspirations to work in a certain area, have they looked at the hard skills needed to work in that particular area? So, you know, it's not just about employability skills. Have they been educated on uh, certain trades, certain industries? Do they understand what they're getting themselves in for? Do they uh, understand what risk management is? Do they understand how to self-place? Do they see self-placement as a chore? Uh, self-placement shouldn't be seen as a chore. It should be seen as a, an integral part of them and making that next step in their progression. Because if you find yourself a self-placement, and you need a big pat on the back because it's in the same realms of trying to search for jobs, the same, you know, so, you know, it does offer the students some clear skill set development. And then if you just, uh, if students are out on placement and you are not have the infrastructure, uh, there's different levels of way you can do, but you should be asking the employer for feedback from just a basic appraisal form to actual visits. You know, the goal standard is we go out and see the on placement, we should be talking to the employer, they should be seeing the progression from before they started placement, they should, the students should be doing skills assessments before they start placement, they should be doing it during the placement, they should be doing it after placement, there should be a placement debrief, you should do attendance, how do you know the student turned up? What happens if you've got employers that have had a negative experience? How are you going to communicate them? How are you going to uh, try and safeguard those employees for the next academic year? And what you'll find, Amos, is, is that you know, work experience when you start talking like this is actually a really, really complex piece, but actually very, very easy to administer if you get it set out with a clear delivery framework and understand what you need to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great points made there, Steve. I like your analogy as well with the AirBuds. You know, uh, those who pay, pay attention, as one saying uh, goes. Matthew, you know, again, Steve made some really great points there and the value in schools being organised and planning ahead so that, you know, they know exactly what they need to do, how they can support young people into that transition into the world of work. Now, we can all agree that schools certainly need to do more. Um, how would you sum up 
our uh, focus on today, what would you say to schools and also to employers as well and to students listening? Well, well come, come and speak to us. You know, come and speak to us or come and speak to people like us. Uh, we'll give you an honest assessment of the challenges that we face, the challenges that, that you face, uh, and you know, find some some common ground. And I think honesty really is the is the best policy. Steve spoke about you know, if you haven't got the resource, you really shouldn't be getting involved in the process. And I think the resource comes from uh, a firm plan of why we're doing what we're doing, how we can do, how we're going to get there, and what we need to achieve our goal. And, and that's where we can we can help and we've been helping schools and college groups do this with via informal conversations which can take place over webinars or even visits and and a lot of our outreach is really just advice and guidance yes you know we we manage programs yes we've got some great technology that manage programs but really we've we are also experts in our field and we do like to share our knowledge of uh, the wider careers model, uh, work-related learning programs. So I would say, I would agree with Steve on this occasion that ultimately it's a case of if you're not fully committed, don't get involved in it because it will be a disaster, it will fail. And, uh, and seek advice, you know, sit down with, uh, sit down with, a, with, a, with a forum, a focus group, build a firm plan and, uh, and bring people who know more than you to the table and I think that, that if I can leave this podcast with one thought it is that if somebody else adds value whether it's a third party or it's a local business group uh, a chamber of commerce let them lead let them lead on it don't think that you as a careers leader or as a senior leader in a school should have all the answers to this you shouldn't this is not the reason why you got into this job uh, this is a sidearm that needs attention. So, uh, yeah, I'd leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, the points both of you made today, incredible. You know, it, it really does need that full attention. You can't just do it as something, as you said, just uh, on the side. It has to be somebody who's fully engaged, who's uh, fully invested in this. Steve, you've made some great points today. How would you sum up for us today? Yeah, and I think I, I really, obviously, we are we're committed to um, helping educators deliver meaningful work-based learning. Um, we um, we've obviously integrated technology into that process to reduce some of those burdens uh, from administration, uh, spreadsheets, and I would say to access points for both the um, student and the employer so that they can get involved with the delivery model uh, without having to be burdened with paperwork so that you know it is a straightforward uh, process for each person or each part that's involved in the process and it's clear what they have to do and when so you know if you break down the key although i just listed off a load of things that an employer and a student and, a, and a, an educator have to do and it might 
scarcity to lot. But if you break it down and break it down over the academic year, it's just regular, regular, small, uh, decrease in time of all those parties that are spread out over the academic year, which will keep them communicated as effectively and informed. And then I'm confident you'll have a successful program. It's when you try to cram it all into the first week of term in September, don't speak about it again until July, until they go out, and then wonder why nobody understands what's going on. That's when your problems will occur. So it has to be integrated consistently across the academic year to make sure the student is always uh, educated and understanding why work experience is important. Gentlemen, thank you both very much for your time today. I think this week's podcast is one of those that you'll have to listen to again and again. Uh, there's a lot of good that's been said here today. Thank you both to Steve and to Matthew. And of course, uh, you can connect with us. Uh, go to our website, which is changingeducation.co.uk. And you can also send us an email, info at changingeducation.co.uk. We'd love to know what your thoughts are. Maybe you're a teacher, an educator who has uh, an opinion on all this, or perhaps you're an employer and you've got your own views on this, or maybe a student as well. Well, from Steve, from Matthew, and from myself, Amos Madra. Until next week, thank you very much. Bye-bye.